the new environment, including school or learning, as well as time for safely playing and relaxing. Need help and support? Please contact us at the hotline 311 Psychosocial Support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, the OECS Commission and UNICEF. The opinions expressed on this TV program by the hosts, co-hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions and responsibility of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of UTV or its affiliates. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night to people locked in around the world. Happy to be back, Hits FM up and running, and always locked in with us, 92.1 in the north and 91.1 in the south. To those of you locked in on Facebook, on UTV124, on Facebook, and of course those of you locked in on Instagram, IG, on UTV124 as well. Those of you following us on Flow, this is the revolution. Right now, in St. Lucia, happening now. Why? Because it must happen. It needs to happen. It has to happen. Because people cannot stay invisible in their own country. We are going to open up for calls and everything else later on today. But first of all, I wanted to do shout outs today. But there's a, I don't know if it's because everybody forgot that tomorrow is a holiday. But everybody inundates me literally five minutes before I get on air. And it's not possible for me to compile everything and do justice. So we will try to do shout outs again on Friday. But I do want to send a shout out to one person who did message me yesterday. Rufina in Canada sending shout outs to your sister Ira Frederick of Kako Babono. As well as your mother Annie Frederick. And a loving husband, Ray Hutchinson, and also the Frederick and Louis families. Now, that's the one shout-out I got yesterday, and everybody else. I have 147 messages with shout-outs. I will try my best to make sure I deal with them. I also want to send a special shout-out to Angel Brett. Why? Because she came up with the idea of the island-wide rally that is going to happen on Sunday, the motorcade around the country, and we had to change the time because of the amount of people that want to join in. So we're saying that we're no longer leaving at 11 o'clock, we have to leave at 10, so you have to start assembling from 9. So come to the market, Castries Market from 9, and we are going to every single constituency for the Chastney Must Go Rally to show UWPs, SLPs, everybody's invited. I again ask that people do not necessarily wear red or yellow. Try to come in national colors or any other colors because we want to show that this isn't some Labour Party pure opposition type thing. 
They have their own events planned for Sunday. This isn't some UWP planned thing because they have some events planned for Sunday as well. This is the people of St. Lucia, John Q. Public. So come, because the message shouldn't be watered down. We are not talking about issue after issue after issue. I'm doing that today, we're doing that tomorrow, we're doing that all the time, we've been doing that for years. We are coming with one message to every single part of St. Lucia, Shastney must go. You are UWP, you love your party, you like your government, you want them to stay in office, fine, but Shastney must go. You are Labour Party, you want your party to get into office, you want Pierre to be Prime Minister, fine, but Shastney must go. You don't support any party, but you are an engineer, a conservationist, a, um, a vendor, you are a St. Lucian, you are not a St. Lucian, but you love this country and you are a citizen, you care, no problem, but Shastney must go. Shastney meaning also guy because Shastney and guy are, the, are joined at the hip politically and all other ways. And believe me, the, the evidence of that will come out so that you will see. But in the meantime, let us focus and let us make history this coming Sunday. So I'll do shout outs on Friday because tomorrow is a holiday. But in truth, folks, we have to get started. There's a lot to go through. The first thing I want to tell you, and you'll understand, is that when it comes to St. Jude's and healthcare. They had their plan set from day one. You know that we are building, knowing all of this, and not a single window in the hospital from what I saw is shatterproof. Can you believe that we are building in the 21st century, when we are just seeing in 12 hours a hurricane can move from category 2 to category 5, mm -hmm. and we are building a facility that does not meet even the basic required standards of safety when it comes to being a hurricane. Finish the hospital. Right. Take the fire service and go and do a basic walk through the hospital and it does not meet the first requirement, which is fire safety, given that the hospital was being rebuilt as a result of a fire. So... so so when people go out there and, and they are saying all of the things, they are leveling all kinds of accusations and blame and, and it's about government and it's about this. That's not the case. Earlier this year, Prime Minister Alan Shastley stated that the government was weighing two options for the project, starting from scratch or renovating the facility. Joseph maintains that there were no approved drawings for the construction project. That is the problem. There is no plan. You see, I don't know why people cannot get this. There is no plan. So how are we there? If there is no plan, how we could sign up on contracts? The $10 million that was left over from the Taiwanese loan, um, we're looking to maybe some of the $150 million that were borrowing right now is to maybe use some of those funds um, to be able to augment that and then look for a partner that can help us in terms of completing the project. But that's what I'm saying to you is we promised within 30 days, um, which will be by the end of this month, early June, that we will make an announcement in terms of how we intend to fix the St. Jude's problem. But when you walk onto the site and you see every building is roofed over and all windows mm. in place, some buildings are completely painted, finished, and just waiting for furniture, fixtures, and equipment to be put into them. And, and two of the primary buildings that would house the medical departments are at the same stage of completion. Mm -hmm. I put it at 50 
between 50 and 70 percent complete, but they mm -hmm. have not attained the com practical completion. Okay. These buildings only need to seal off the services within them, put in the um, ceilings, get the walls in place, and apply the special flooring that needs to be in place mm -hmm. before you bring in furniture, fixtures, and equipment. So we are going to build a new hospital, and we are going to use that structure, complete that structure, and use it as a medical school. Putting a medical university in the south. So um, one of them is to look at the existing building of St. Jude um, and to convert that. And now if you build the new wing of the hospital, you have the opportunity of having both a hospital and also a medical university. If they ask me if they want to bring a team from elsewhere, but not from the Engineers Registration Association. The standards of the facility at Tapio are in a worse condition than what exists at St. And that's the fallacy of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, our local engineer association should have some sort of input on the matter? No. Why is that? Because they're an association. How much did you estimate the completion of the east wing of St. Jude's Hospital to cost? Just about nine, $9.5 million EC dollars. $9.5 million EC dollars. The distribution of three things. Money, power, and resources. The distribution of these three things are at the heart of the matter here. They have the potential to corrupt many things, medicine included. So a new facility, we believe we can build for 30 million US dollars, just, just over 100 million EC dollars. The question is, do you try to fix up and amend a building that will never be of international standard, will at best be at minimum standard, or should we just build a proper world-class facility? And so the decision was made, let's build the world-class facility. We think we can do it cheaper, we can do it faster, and we're going to get a better quality facility. And then the question becomes, what do you do with the old building? So as many of the components of the old building that we can include in the new complex, we are. But we're also now out trying to get an investor to build a university, a medical university in that location. Have a conscience. There has to be a moment in the life of a politician when his conscience has to take over his love for power and replace it with power to love the people who put them there. It's about them. Your legacy does not lie in what you've done for you, but in what you've done for others. That's what it is all about. And once he realized that nobody could stop him and Shastney from getting their legacy project, all of a sudden, this year, not too long, not, not just but a couple months ago, the truth came out. The government had continued working on it from the time they got into power because fact is there was already a Taiwanese loan approved for 20 million US dollars of which 10 million had been used. So you found yourself with a dedicated line of 27 million EC dollars to work on a central hospital. If they had done that from day one as a priority, we may be in a different position than we are now. If we had made the decision from day one when we went in there, 
by now, St. Jude would have reopened. That is the reality. If we had made the decision from day one when we went in there, by now, St. Jude would have reopened. And you see, we have all fallen into this same um, pattern of disqualifying professionals. You ever notice in all what Guy Joseph has ever said, he's never had technical people or ministry people that could speak freely or take questions about these things. They don't want engineers around. They don't want architects around. They don't want anybody around except for their people. Very, very interesting. But there is a man who was chief engineer under Sir John at the Ministry of Infrastructure who has criticized both parties and also commended both parties for when they have done things and that is engineer John Peters. Even those that are well off financially in St. Lucia mm -hmm. when they get sick they go to Tapia. Okay? The standard Tapia was a, was a hotel. If you know. It's, it's well, a I'm, hotel. A, I'm a very much right. yes. Okay? Uh -huh. It's a hotel that has been recycled to become a hospital. Mm -hmm. The standards of the facility at Tapio are in a worse condition than what exists at St. And that's the fallacy of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about pulling a book and showing that corridor should be this space, and if the corridor is six inches less, it becomes an issue. Or the height of a ceiling should be some particular height, and if it is two inches low, it becomes an issue. But we're talking about functionality right. in relation to an expenditure of, of 100 million, and how can that be salvaged? And if you're telling me that if I were a corridor of five feet, six inches, and the standards are saying it should be six feet, and because I short of six feet... Six inches. Six inches, sorry, that that facility should be demolished. I'm saying to you, a madman. I can't well, support and, and that. Not, and not just that, but, I mean, you've read a lot of these standards. Most of these standards allow for exceptions in uh, existing facilities. Mo I mean, in, in nearly every standard that I've had a look at, you you uh, you make allowances mm -hmm. for uh, so let's say if you're talking about a corridor and 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 even that issue of corridors I think is is yeah. quite a big challenge yeah, yeah. because you, if you look at one standard they'll tell you well a, a, a corridor minimum width is 1.2 meters and some might say 1.8 meters yeah. and, and depending on which one you're going to be applying that's going to be the question at the end of the day but you're right can it function and that is the operative word mm -hmm. right can a country like Saint Lucia afford to throw away $100 million because a corridor may be six inches too, too short or two inches or too high. Or in too ceiling, short right? in, in ceiling height. Right? And the question is a categorical no. And, and, and when, I, when we looked at the facility, um, when we had the tour, in my opinion, my considered opinion, this was a facility that could be salvaged. And any talk of demolition of that facility, to me, was a no-go. And, and when you say salvage, you mean it could be used for the purpose it was being constructed, could be which used, was for a hospital. Which was for a hospital, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, there would, we, there would be some modifications required, right? but it could be used. And the doctors that were on the visit, all professionals, very, very highly skilled professionals that were there in that particular visit, right? because they, they brought some of the, the doctors from St. Jude's also who came across, who worked there, were all... All of them, when one single chorus saying, we can work in this facility. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, let's talk a little bit from from perspective of being an engineer or project manager. Mm-hmm. You, you, even the best planned projects will have situations where you've got to make design changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's not too unbelievable that you may have a situation where uh, you may have to make changes along the way in a in a project. Fine, yeah, that's that's a fact. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I just want to uh, get this point on because you you, you wouldn't take a building after you've worked two years on it, say, for, for argument's mm-hmm. sake, and you, you may find out, well, you don't want a bathroom in one area now, you want to shift it to another mm-hmm. area, for, for argument's mm-hmm. sake. Yeah, maybe the plumbing costs are going to be higher, but you, but, you work around it. But, but guys, the, the, we have to go back to, there was a report prepared. Mm-hmm. There was a report commission. I will say rightfully so. But the results of the report also concluded that the building should be completed. Right. There was no mention in the report of demolition. Right. There was no and this is, not a re- this is a report that has still has not been made public officially. Officially. So we're, yeah. we're just yeah. looking at leaked documents. Leaked documents. But yeah. the fact remains that when you review the document, the document was in fact suggesting that this thing could be salvaged. What the document said is that the document pulled a figure, <laughs> as yeah. I said, whether it is from... The, the deep recesses of hell, or the, the, the it's at a hundred million. It's at hundred million, right. but no sort of supporting um, documentation to how we came up with the hundred million. It was just a uh, hundred million dollars, right? I, I I couldn't agree with the number because obviously you, you, there was nothing to support the number and how it was developed. Right. But the fact remains that there was a conclusion that this building could be salvaged. John Peters should be ashamed of himself for bringing the profession of engineering into disrepute by the nonsense that he spoke about. What, what struck me uh, immensely was the disconnect between what we read in the report and what was observed during the particular visit. And, and I really believe that, um, you know, what... The, the, the language that has been used in the past, both by government ministers and other commentators, uh, does not is not reflected in the evidentiary material that is seen within the facility. Um, I, I, I did not get the impression that it was a lost cause. The project is being done for the um, use of the first ten million dollars, which was not drawn down from the previous. $20 million loan, and the other $20 million for the financing is coming from the new financing arrangement that has been negotiated between the government and the Republic of China on Taiwan. I am confident that with this project, after the groundbreaking or the sod turning today, it will be non-stop work until we have delivered this project completed and within budget to the people. So Guy and Shastney get their legacy project, a totally superfluous project, unnecessary, unsustainable because of its size, a huge box with no approved plans for anything inside. As you can see, we have demoted when he was saying that there were no plans for the uh, for St. Jude's. As you can see, Stevenson King had plans, and the Taiwanese were there, and so on. But you cannot make money for yourself, your friends, and your family by finishing a hospital that was already three quarters completed. You must stick on a superfluous box, 
a monstrosity, a glorified warehouse in order to make sure that you have Glugler to impress your own people after stopping a project for two years unnecessarily. You don't believe me? Now, the main thing is to try and play up this whole thing. Oh, just like Norbert last night. Uh, um, oh, St. Jude is coming on beautifully. Forget the part about the two years. Forget about the part that after you do this, you're going to have a downgraded hospital. Whereas we were set to have a general hospital according to St. Lucia's standards. So there'd be one general hospital in the north, okay, EU, one general hospital in the south. By doing what he's doing, he's actually downgrading us to a level four polyclinic. Don't believe me. Let them boast. Very, very excited. And you know, look, we have two new call centers. Um, you know, Ojo is expanding. Mm-hmm. And then we have a new call center starting in the middle of June in, in Viewfort, which are creating jobs. Um, we're also seeing the employment from St. Jude's. I mean, St. Jude's is looking oh, yeah, it's great. absolutely Beautiful. amazing. Yeah. And again, you know what? That's a project that's, I think, going to break the back of all the naysayers. Oh, yeah. And when people see that hospital and see the, the, the standard of that hospital compared to what was being offered before, I have no doubt that all the pressure that we're taking, that people will go, go okay, wow, yeah. you know, yeah. hats off to the government. But we'll, we'll, it will soon, soon come. I wouldn't only say hats off to the government, I'd also say brains out of the government as well. Folks, simple common sense. Have you ever seen a building that is to house human beings that did not have water or electricity already uh, factored into the plans? They are building the box because they do not know where anything is going to go inside. And they have to put extreme PSI, pounds per square inch of concrete. You know if you're building a house, you have to put more pounds per square inch in the living room than in the bedroom because more than likely you may have a lot of people in your living room at any one time, but you may not have the same amount of people in your bedroom all the time, you know? But with this, they have to put everything as super thick concrete, the whole floor, all the floors, because they don't know where anything is going. And none of the subterranean infrastructure, the nitrogen or the oxygen that would be running through all of the sequential buildings that were done before are connected to this building. So it now has to be connected after. But imagine building just so that you can get your money, get your legacy money. So when you retire, you have your own big construction companies, your conglomerate of all your friends, family and foreigners and everything in between. All the money that y'all, you and Shastney never made, you know, out of politics. Now y'all have to get that on the people's backs. And in the meantime, it does not even have water or electricity provisions. According to Shastney and Guy, they're going to slap it on the outside of the buildings after. Can you imagine if all homes were built that way? Mm. But like I said, folks, a polyclinic. Now there are various standards of polyclinics. But it's definitely not going to be more than a district hospital. It is not going to be a general hospital. Because sticking this superfluous, unnecessary building that's going to cost and will not be able to be maintained either. In order to do that, it's purely about elections and greed. There's a lot of brouhaha about building a new hospital. Mm-hmm. And guy keep talking about a level 4 hospital. Able to meet the requirements of a level 4 hospital. We are going to go to a phase two, which is to build a brand new hospital. The buildings look like they are good. They are good buildings construction-wise, but not adequately designed to accommodate 
a level four hospital is to still explore all possibilities of a makeshift facility at the existing St. Jude. I, I, I really think that the government is not coming clean with not just the people of the South, but certainly with St. Lucians generally. I think we're, we're transcending into a worse situation. Because I was involved with the planning of the new Victoria, which invariably became known as the National General Hospital, mm-hmm. and then was named the OKEU mm-hmm. Hospital, it's a, it is speaking to a general hospital. It means that this hospital has emergency services and surgical services in there to deal with emergencies. Mm-hmm. According to the 2006 National Health Reform Plan that was formulated for the reform of the healthcare services in St. Lucia, different types of healthcare facilities have been delineated in that document. And you have what is called health centers or wellness centers. Mm-hmm. You have district hospitals or polyclinics and general hospitals. A level four gen, um, district hospital or polyclinic is like what you see at Grosile. Okay. Ah, let me stop you here. So a level four hospital is a polyclinic. It is a polyclinic. It's like what's in Grosile. What about the one in Denry? What we expecting in Denry is a level four, level four, four well. polyclinic. So, so what is the difference for the because our people need to understand yeah. what is the difference between a level four hospital, which is a polyclinic, and a community hospital? Simply put, one will be able to afford more services, more services, and especially surgical. Good, especially surgical. So then we're saying what existed at St Jude. Pre the fire yes. was a community hospital. A community hospital, a general hospital. A general hospital. Yes. yes. So Guy Joseph, by his own admission, with that level four, which I suspect he believes is a four-story building, <laughs> with that level four hospital, is actually downgrading what existed. Yes, and, and if it will offer minor, according to, to the, the reform document, it will offer minor surgery. In fact, let me just read what it says. Yes, okay, good. According to the National Health Reform Plan of 2006, and it's 2006 to 2011, mm. I'm not sure it has been revised, a level four healthcare facility refers to a polyclinic. The project will involve the construction of a new wing to incorporate all functions and services of the existing east and surgical wings of the existing facility. Integration through retrofitting of some of the existing buildings to achieve a fully functioning hospital to match the services of a level four facility. You are quoting from a document that was prepared by consultants for St. Lucia. Absolutely. Um, level 4 healthcare facility refers to a polyclinic or a district hospital in which the broad services provided include for but not limited to dental, laboratory, radiology, minor surgery, physiotherapy, maternal child care and audiometry. 
Or do you want me to treat it to deal with your hearing? Yeah, I know. This is an extremely, <laughs> extremely large departure, Richard. From what would from have been there. what would have been there, which was referred to even in your 2008 quadrant plan Grand for the right. island. Yes. A regional hospital for Beaufort. Yes. Regional. A new, a new um, polyclinic district hospital in what invariably was going to be the green area and car park of the complex had it been completed it's removing it from the main facilities the main infrastructure so you have now to duplicate all of that for it to be a standalone healthcare facility in a confined space it's, it is no longer healthcare and recuperation as was provided by St. Jude it is going to be a, a fast, almost like a fast throughput of, of um, health provision, seemingly like, like um, outpatient service. And anything that requires secondary, you have to head up to Victoria until OKU can get, can get oh, permission. <laughs> what I know is how to use men <laughs> to gain wealth. So the question becomes, why? Why would you downgrade, willfully, boastfully, in sophistry, downgrade from a general hospital to a district hospital, a.k.a. a polyclinic? Well, two reasons. One, the Cayman Group, which Prime Minister Shastney already alluded to, um, and I have the clip, I can also show it to you again. They don't feel that there's enough of a population with disposable income to support OKEU becoming a tertiary facility while having another general hospital on island. So note well, if it is downgraded and you give part to a university, ah, I wonder if there may be an Indian university related to Cayman that might want to take one part of it, and the other part is downgraded to a polyclinic or district hospital. It means any major surgeries, once you get past minor surgeries, you would have to go up north. Now, a prudent and responsible government would think, hey, we have 50% of the population in the south, plus we have an international airport. If there's ever any kind of air disaster, mass casualty, we would need a general hospital, which is what both the King administration and the Kenny Anthony administration were working towards. But these guys must get their legacy project. The second reason why for ulterior motive you would downgrade is because you need a new project in terms of construction and you need to have something that you can justify because construction is this government and this minister and of course the prime minister's favorite ways of making sure that everybody's happy and people make money it's which people the FFF that make money from these things you don't believe me there's another one reminder for you opportunity for the Minister of Economic Development, the member for Castries Southeast, to provide answers to the burning questions surrounding the construction of the St. Jude Hospital. I'll give you an example. How does he explain that the preparation of foundation works, the clearing of the site for St. Jude costs nine million dollars when the Ministry of Infrastructure put the cost at four million. How does he explain? Why would such a major project costing ultimately over a hundred million dollars go only to the chairman of the DCA for approval? 
Mr. Speaker, why is this? Mr. Speaker, why is this happening, Mr. Speaker? Yes, Mr. Speaker, the member is making statements here that cannot be substantiated. As to the process of approval and what was approved. And I, I, I was listening to him, Mr. Speaker, because he mentioned the MEP, which we've said and we've explained the phased approach towards St. Jude, that you have the structural, then the architectural, and then the MEP. So the member, while he's saying there is approval, but he's questioning the issue of the process of approval. He has to substantiate. He, Mr. Speaker, he's saying that it did not go to the board and it was approved by Ron Robin. So what, what is he saying? Is there approval or there's not approval? Point of order. Mr. Speaker, I don't know why I had to give way, you know, because I don't know what the point of order is. Whether he's suggesting or misleading, I believe misleading the house or not. But I will. You should just keep on reading your phone. See? You? Honorable you members. You're in a class of your own and you'll be Honorable, honorable member. No, that hasn't been said. Mr. Speaker, this is what I have, I have said. One, the only approval that has been given is for the frame of the hospital, the box. Frame. Secondly, I have said, no approvals has been given for electrical works, no approval has been given for plumbing, no approval has been given for health, no approval has been given for solid waste, and, I re and the board does not have before it any drawings in respect of these matters. That's the point I'm making, Mr. Speaker. So we have building a hospital, and the only approval is for a structural frame, but no approvals for what the interior, how you run wire, how you run electricity, how you run plumbing. I want to ask, where, where on earth do you, Mr. Speaker, hear that modern buildings are constructed on that kind of basis? But you know, Mr. Speaker, but you know, Mr. Speaker, Yes, without approvals. At least you admit it now that it is being built without approvals. Yet you had your colleagues banging on the table that you have approvals. Honorable members. Honorable but members. Mr. Speaker, you know what is worse? But you know what is worse, Mr. Speaker? The approval in respect of that framework, incidentally, was also subject to professional indemnity insurance from the designer who is FDL cons consult. Why then would FDL consult be so keen at this stage on getting professional indemnity insurance? Why? But Mr. Speaker, that's a deeper problem. 
buildings are required to be certified by architects. I ask him, which local architect in this country certified the drawings submitted to the DCA? Why were the drawings for the frame approved and accepted without a certified architectural certificate? Why? Now, Mr. Speaker, some months ago, Mr. Speaker, the Treasury held back on payments asking questions on accountability for the manner of procurement of goods and services. The member for Castries, Saudis, was very irritated, very annoyed, very angry. And in fact, hold on. And in fact, Mr. Speaker, it was the subject of a conversation of question and reply on a talk show host about the, the payments that have been withheld by the Treasury. So you see, you're starting to get agitated already, that one. At the heart of the issue was a payment to Total Construction Supplies, a company owned by one Mr. Timothy Bangal, the former chairman of the National Housing Corporation and still a government senator. Now, I'm glad he added that. You see, I love it when they open doors. I don't have any problem, Mr. Speaker, with any politician who switches sides, who abandons one party for the next. After all, Mr. Speaker, it has happened on both sides. And I believe, Mr. Speaker, that everybody is entitled to be at peace with themselves and with each other. So, if you feel that you have to leave one party and go over to the next, then so be it. And it is rare that you'll find me making any comments about individuals who take that step, dramatic as it may be. And I don't think you'll find much in the public record where Mr. Mangal is concerned. Today, Mr. Speaker, total construction supplies has been paid seven million and $4,692,881.25 in September last year and $2,346,573.75 in November also of last year. A further payment of $2,346,000 $513.75 was due for payment this week, but for some reason it was mysteriously cancelled. The payments did not come. Now these are public funds, Mr. Speaker, paid from the consolidated fund, and therefore one has every reason to inquire. Tell me something, Mr. Speaker. Tell me, Mr. Speaker. Doesn't these transactions 
mean that total construction supplies have a contract to supply goods and services to the government of Zanusha. Doesn't it mean that? Contracts have a potential value of over $9 million today. Tell me, Mr. Speaker, since a contract exists for the supply of materials, doesn't Mr. Mangal have a duty to inform the legislature that he has contracts with the government of St. Lucia so as to avoid potential conflict of interest? Does he have a duty, Mr. Speaker? So I want you to think about this, especially those of you who will support the United Workers' Party no matter what. You're in a state of emergency. You can't operate your business. You can't get stimulus. You cannot find out what's happening properly with children in terms of education outside of those sitting CXC. You don't know what's going to happen with tourism. You don't know what's going to happen with healthcare and the effects when you do reopen in terms of tourism. You don't see stimulus coming anytime soon. The country is effectively for the next, until September, in a state of emergency. Meantime, Guy Joseph takes to the press and excoriates the Treasury for holding up payments because although he's already gotten $7 million, the owner of Total Construction Supplies, Timothy Mangal, a senator in the United Workers' Party, they need to make sure he gets his money now. He has to get his money now, even though he's already collected $7 million, because $9 million are good $12 million. Now here's the questions I have for you folks. You are in Viewfort. You're in Oje Building St. Jude's. You don't find anything strange, or according to Timothy, isn't it not passing strange, that there are no companies in Viewfort or Environ, Choiseul, Soufre, Denry, Miku, that could have done any supplying of any materials under close, under, um, whether it's quarries, for materials or any of these types of things, whether it is hardware, whatever, nails, cement, BRC, sand, none of that exists anywhere in the south because the closest location is Total Construction Supplies, whose main headquarters is in cul-de-sac, that's one. But here's the other part that I want you to think about, folks, because this is happening right now while the same government could not raise enough money or did not have enough money to buy personal protection equipment of $400,000 for first responders and had to have a telethon in order to raise that money. They have borrowed the equivalent of 94.5 million EC dollars in order to do this polyclinic downgrade box level 4 district hospital and compromise what should have been a general hospital. Now Fresh Start is doing this project and Fresh Start has to get paid to do this. Fresh Start has gotten, as you've seen in the Gazette, all kind of um, concessions for trucks, cement trucks, milling machines and everything else for a company that didn't even have a truck and has gotten every single bit of their business every single bit of their work has been coming from direct award they haven't had to tender for anything in St. Lucia since this government came in you're getting duty free concessions on the equipment obviously you're going to pay yourself for the consultancy and oversight of your professionalism in managing the project but folks they never occurred to anybody why it is that all these payments to total construction supplies were coming from Treasury. It means, St. Lucia, that who is paying for the materials, the sand, the cement, the BRC, 
is not even fresh start out of that 94.5 million dollars but you the taxpayers of St. Lucia and all St. Lucians pay tax because all of us buy groceries all of us pay VAT so it means that instead of fresh start paying for the materials they get in 94.5 million dollars for St. Jude's superfluous polyclinic box but they are also not paying what would have been at least a third maybe even half they'll pay for the labor they'll pay themselves they'll pay for the equipment even though they got it duty free but the materials that would be a substantial cost which by all means if you get in 94.5 million dollars you should be bearing the taxpayers of St. Lucia are paying and it's going to Timothy Mangal do you know what St. Lucia Bradley has already said it hasn't he hasn't he he said that no matter what the UWP does, the people give you a pass. St. Jude's, the leader of the opposition speaks to the people will not forgive this government. The people did not forgive you. That is why you lost the election. And rest assured, Mr. Speaker, we will be forgiven. I thank you. Tawasiwa,公车,东朝,地雄的话,给你说,林小恩子,给你说呀。哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈哈
all across the communities and constituencies of this country are being impacted negatively. In the absence of strong policy responses, the COVID-19 crisis could deepen disparities between communities, even in the St. Lucia. So better resource communities are going to do much better than the poor communities. And you see, Mr. Speaker, we might end up with a situation where we have a few rich people and the majority of people are poor. Because the middle class, if they are in free fall, will disappear. And you know, Mr. Speaker, they take it lightly. Members opposite take everything lightly. That the warnings are of no consequence. We are about to open up the country. We are about to borrow for infrastructure to give people jobs to do. Those people who are the barbershops and have to close it because of COVID-19, are they going to be employed in those projects? The people with the hairdress, hairdressing salon, are they going to be included in this? The people on the block, all of those people, are they going to be catered for? The point is, the people of this country require assistance. And they require that assistance urgently. Or else by the end of 2020, thousands of families who existed above the poverty line will be below the poverty line. I can speak on behalf of my constituents that we are not leeches. The leeches are those who come to a poor country and want the country to spend over $3 million doing batem shuval for them. Spend millions of dollars diverting roads. A leech will come here. Like those who go in our NIC funds and take millions of dollars for some Cabot link project. Mr. Speaker, These are the leeches. Understanding a point of order. Mr. Speaker, I have allowed the member, I've allowed the member from Labry to say that in previous sessions of the House where he has used the word leech to describe investors in this country. I would like him to desist and desist from making those statements. He may not appreciate the investment that's being made, but to use derogatory language to describe them, Mr. Speaker, of persons who have come to this country, invested their money, created jobs in this country, and are helping to promote this country every day. I, Mr. Speaker, I have a, a, a strong objection to him doing that. That's not the point of order. Honorable Member. Mr. Speaker. I, no, no, let me just say something. Um, I would say that um, investment is a very crucial part of our economic development. And I would ask you to be very careful how you refer to persons that partake or assist us in our economic development. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, two things. One, the member from Miku South will not instruct me in this house as to what I can say or what I cannot say. I am quite conversant with the procedures of this house, and I will take no directive from the member from Miku South. And secondly, anyone, anyone, who comes here 
We have to take millions of dollars to divert road for. This is a, a small and vulnerable economy. I have every right, every right to express in the most profound way my displeasure and my dissatisfaction with what is happening. When the Majomel Road is in a deplorable condition, it needs to be repaired. $13 million is being spent for Tiwa King to divert a road. And I must come here and I will not call Tiwa King a Speaker, I'm not going to yield. You have no point of on, order. On Yes. So let's think about the bigger point that's been raised here. Under Shastny, we have reached the stage where we are calling people investors who actually are not investing anything. I notice that whereas other countries like Barbados and Jamaica and so on keep making overtures to countries like Ghana to establish embassies and so on, for all the people that Shastny has brought here, he has yet to bring any black people. But the people that he's bringing, and I'm not talking about racial, I'm talking about the fact of his value system. The people must come from America, Canada, wherever, China, and all these places. Because it's all about who has the economic power. Now, never mind Africa is a rising economic power. The fact of the matter is that, let's look at, for example, Cabot. Cabot is taking our money, in other words, taking our assets, like Emma Hippolyte pointed out, taking our assets to destroy our assets. Right now, in terms of crown lands, there's massive overreach going on with Cabot. But nobody's talking about that because we focus on a forced election in the middle of the whole pandemic that's going on. Cabot is from Nova Scotia. The land was, was in receivership from Nova Bank of Nova Scotia, Scotia Bank. But Scotia Bank did not have confidence in them to sell the land or do any direct deal with them. We took money from our pensioners, we took money from our NIC. 30 million dollars then you have tewa king who is selling our passports to build infrastructure that he will own we will not be partners in and if it flops we have to buy it back the land plus the value of the infrastructure the buyback clause what if you and i'm telling you that's elitism to the core that what differentiates tewa king or any of these other people just their network because they they say they did this and they did that or whatever whatever and then at the end of the day if they did all of these things and they were so successful then where why don't they have their own money to invest if rihanna went and bought ventilators for barbados with her own money it's because she had the money to do it but can you imagine saint lucia we take our version of rihanna i don't know let's take tune and you're going to take her and you're going to give her CIP money. And I don't even mind because at least she's a solution. But you're going to give a foreigner money to buy ventilators first. And then after that, we have to clap for them and genuflect for them as if it's something they're doing. So you are giving the people our assets, our money. And yet we have to be gracious towards them while our people continue to suffer and be marginalized. Look at how well the horses are being treated in terms of COVID, right? Coronavirus times, they're making, Teoaking is making the stable boys, the stable hands. They are actually having to quarantine. They're not going to their home. They've been made, and it's in the press, and I've read it on the show. They've been made to quarantine together with the horses. Talk about a roll in the hay. But the deeper point that's been made and was suggested by Silas Wilson was that if you ever notice, Shastney is very, very gracious and it's very important for him to kiss us when somebody is more powerful or richer than him. In other words, he sees the rich 
as being good. He equates rich with good and poor with mendicancy. You're lazy. You're not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, even if you have no boots or no straps, according like, Mar- like Martin Luther King has said. Right? You don't believe me? Let me tremble show you. To a project known to solutions as DSH. Or every time I hear it, I call it I call it Delivering Southern Hope. Every time I was moving around, it was another celebrity, another star um, that was there. So this is uh, the sport of kings. All these corporate jets that were lined up on either side of the runway. And so uh, Secret Service met me there and I was having a discussion with them. And I said, man, how many jets do they have here? And they said they had 700 corporate jets. Thank you very much with a protocol being established, but obviously I have to say to everybody, I did seek permission to come into Viewfort this morning. <laughs> and permission was granted. Now, horse racing has the, uh, the tagline, right? The sports of kings. He said, the good news is I just bought Cunard Hotel La Talk, and so I am coming to San Lucia. And I remember that day so well. And I remember how excited I was. And uh, immediately meeting with another gentleman, Mr. Osbert Dover. And we got together. We put together a bio of Mr. Stewart. And we went to customs. We went to immigration. Went to planning. Went to the police. We went all over to educate everybody about who Mr. Stewart was. Um, yeah. I'd like to recognize in the house tonight the owner and chairman of Desert Start Holdings, um, and that is Mr. Teo Akin. Embrace the development, because without it, there is no hope for our people. You heard him there? Without DSH, there is no hope. So seeing as DSH is flopping on us as we speak and they're trying their best not to have him pull out completely or invoke the buyback clause or take whatever money is in the CIP or escrow account that they have, then does that mean St. Lucia has no hope or Chastney is hopeless now? But think about this, folks. He is gracious towards the rich. But when it comes to the poor or to people that do not have as much money as him, he will put you in what he believes is your place. I noted something that he said on Andre Paul's show once. He said when he was a senator, because he was not an elected member of cabinet but a selected one, he used to make coffee for the other ministers. So even though there are secretaries and other people, caterers, who would come with coffee or tea or whatever, that he would go and do it just to kiss ass. But now he's prime minister. Is you. You see like how nobody likes it there? You know, is you. You see like how Fede likes it there? Is you. You see like how champagne, right up in there. Right? The man farts, all them fellas there. Perfume. So think about it, folks. When it's the rich, he's gracious to them. People who have more power than him or more money than him. Although he's working on the money and he has the power, thanks to us. But when it is the poor or St. Lucians or average people, he'll put you in what he believes is your place. You have young girls having kids. First one, second one, third one. Kenny Anthony made St. Lucia safer. He didn't. But I will. 
too many young girls who have a child. I'm, a, I'm embarrassed for you, okay, and I'm ashamed of you. Having children with different men and that they uh, are following the pattern of their mother and they're following the pattern of their grandmother. Where you want to be from? A ghetto or you want to be from the Pearl of the Caribbean? And goes out and have a second child. Should that person be entitled to keep that second child? Everybody has been overwhelmingly surprised at the caliber of the young people in the South and how trainable everybody has become. Come in, tell me, did you care? I just want to um, ask a quick question about the health, uh, the National Health Insurance white paper that was supposed to come out last October. Can you tell me who is working on that and do you know what the progress is so far? Any other questions? So I said, Mr. Tulsi needs to go. I try not to personalize anything. My sentiment that he's been a complete dismal failure. That's the mendicant mentality. Nain Compton Antoine was the most suitable applicant to take up the leadership of the organization. Uh, the relationship between myself and Jani has not been a good one. This is not a person that when we meet in public that we even shake hands. Massa mentality. I don't listen. I let the jackasses break. Mendicants, not one of people who want to sit by and to say, la gouvernement, la gouvernement. Should it be every dog that barks that I should respond? Stop it. It is not your job to tell the government how to run government. All morning they can break.
Welcome back to the revolution. Have you been tired of waiting for the stimulus? Have you given up on it? Personally, I think that Chastney has St. Lucia well conditioned to accept less, starving the people so that they'll be grateful to be fed by the same person that starved them, election-wise and otherwise. Don't give you stimulus, but Herod can give you masks, all in yellow. Don't give you stimulus, but I can sit down and have lunch with you in a restaurant. I can watch you play steel pan, hoping to get a little tip from your prime minister. Don't give you stimulus, but promise that you will at some point. Even though by the time it comes out, it'll probably go to the FFF. And in the meantime, the rest will be the collateral damage for the building of this new St. Lucia. Not a better St. Lucia, but a new St. Lucia. So when is that stimulus coming? Um, looking at loans that we currently have and see how we can remodel some of those loans to be able to give the economic support to households, the vulnerable sector, small businesses and companies. So right after this two-week period, the hope is that we can create a significant stimulus program to help everyone moving forward. So, three months later, no stimulus. No stimulus. NIC is doing its part. St. Lucians have done their part to sacrifice, obey the law, stay home, quarantine, not send their children to school while you extend a state of emergency. You want to bring in tourists and every kind of ad hoc, asinine, you know, schizophrenic decision making thing. We have been trying to go along with and adapt. But you still say no stimulus until the state can get its money back. But how can the state get its money back when even you acknowledge that what will bring revenue to the state is consumption? And the only way to get consumption from a set of people who you have allowed to become more broke and not allowed to even hustle is by stimulus. There's another argument that's going on. And that if you want to create economic stimulation, that what you should do is continue paying the salaries. And I think that, that it's one I believe in. It's one that our government believes in, which is consumption. That's what you want to go and attack, is consumption. But Mr. Speaker, I'm going to say to you, at this particular juncture, what are people consuming? Food. The monies and the salaries that you would pay in full, they got paid in the month of, of, of the end of March, and so had the money to spend in April. We only got $25 million in revenue. Why? because there's not much for people to consume more than food at this point. It's not until the economy opens up, until the all clear is given that we now can see an economic stimulus program. It's not until the economy opens up. Who's keeping it closed? It's not until the economy opens up. It's not until people are consuming more than food at a time when all you left open were the grocery stores. People couldn't go to their doctors, they couldn't take their children out to play, they couldn't go to the, to the beach, they could not go anywhere, they, couldn't, they still can't go to the movies, they can't stay out past 9 p.m. And people cannot hustle. And now, you're taxing the hustle. Many quarters of society are seeking answers on the Public Health Act amendment in a quest to authenticate the supposed widely circulated SI number 80. News Force reached out to a number of government agencies. Sources at the office of the Prime Minister claim the amendment was not endorsed by Cabinet, but was done at a technical level. The trail eventually led to the Ministry of Environmental Health. 
However, attempts to glean information proved futile. Nonetheless, correspondence from the Attorney General's office titled Offensive Trade Regulation Amendment explains, quote, The amendments are meant to address public health impacts of such trades in residential and highly populated areas. That just they passed another piece of legislation, SI 80 of 2020. I could not believe it. Could you put it up, please? It's called the Public Health Offensive and Hazardous Trades Regulations. Public Health Offensive and Hazardous Trades Regulations. Folks, when I saw this, I could not believe it. I want to read a couple sections to you. So you will understand. Hear this word. Interpretation under section 2. License means. A person who may license has been issued under regulation 8. License means. A person to whom a license has been issued. Hear what you need licenses for. Offensive or hazardous trade include. I wouldn't I wouldn't read all them, eh? but I'll read some of them. Chicken farming license. Slaughtering of animals or poultry license. Operation of slaughterhouse license. Poultry processing establishment license. Poultry farming license lime making license the amendments now make licenses mandatory for a laundry list of trades including print and photography jewelry repairs and manufacturing animal or pig farming and charcoal making president of the dry goods vendors association peter ras iper isaac calls the revisions an attack on the small man we cannot take it as a joke because they are targeting ordinary people, ordinary persons. As, as you said, we are doing jewelry, so we mean a vendor now who could take some some store, you know um, seeds and so on, put the two of them together and make an air and be like an earring, you know, a fashion earring, so that someone could wear, or have some ring. You could take some coconut shell and make rings. I mean, all of these things would be under what you call a license. I mean, this is so heartless. Licenses granted under this regulation are valid for a period not exceeding one year and expires on the 31st of December each year. Regulation 10 explains that the license is non-transferable to any other location. Regulation 13 says that the board may suspend or cancel a license if any regulations are contravened. Licensees are expected to engage in daily cleaning as well as undertaking necessary repair to the facility. No one is allowed to sleep on the premises used in connection with the hazardous trade except a caretaker. It also adds that no one under the age of 15 is allowed on premises that are licensed for carrying out an offensive or hazardous trade. Regulation 19 speaks to fees. It says that a fee of $50 is needed for an examination by the Department of Environmental Health. A fee of $50 if the license is granted for a period shorter than one year. And a fee of $100 if the license is granted for one year. 
The public outcry has mostly been about the timing of this new licensing regime coming into effect with no prior public notice in a time of national economic distress. Despite the criticism, there appears to be some legitimate concerns on some of the issues by authorities. Assistant Divisional Officer St. Lucia Fire Service Jermaine William has weighed in on the hazardous impact of coal. William says as of June 2020, firefighters have responded to five charcoal-related emergencies, the same number as the total recorded in all of 2019. You find most charcoal pits um, within the Northern Division are usually located um, close to residential areas. Um, now, although they are in residential areas, they are sometimes not easily accessed by our personnel. So what usually happens is that we get calls to, to extinguish those fires from neighbors who are affected by those coal pits. The most common issues that we have are um, as, um, asthmatic reactions. Sorry, um, We have um, had cases where it has triggered um, eye irritation, skin irritation, and a whole host of, of other um, issues. Member of the St. Lucia Photographers Association and co-owner of Wavemaker Photography, James Ajuda, says the industry is on edge. A lot of them are concerned. Um, a lot of them are confused how photography falls into that section um, as a hazardous trade. Um, we could understand if, for instance, you know, it was a situation where persons have dark rooms and so on. But in the world where all photographers basically are involved in digital photography, um, photographers falling under digital trade is really something of the past. Falling under hazardous trade is something of the past. So that's why we're seeking clarification. What, what difficulty do you have with um, the, 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 the SI in particular? Timothy, and, uh-huh. my, let me explain my difficulty. Let me explain my difficulty. My difficulty is, why do you want to tell me I should go to jail or I should be fined if I decide I'm going to scale fish to sell? Explain that to me. Okay, but you have, you have, can you make reference to the area of, of the SI? But it's said fish processing. What processing people do here? They clean fish, they got fish, they wash fish, they sell fish. This and, is fish processing. And that deals with the Public Health Act. Okay? The, um, no, hold on, Timothy, hold on. It cannot be Timothy. a... No, no. Listen, listen, Colin. If you have a situation where, for example, people sell items that are contaminated, um, and then people go out and consume it, and all of a sudden people lose their lives and so on, people become ill, what would be said? Explain to me. So let me ask you a question in return. How many years they selling fish by Tansusi and by Viewport Port? And how many people have been contaminated by fish? And how many people have had a problem? I'll answer, answer that, that question. I'll, I'll, I'll answer that this way. When was the last time we had a pandemic? So the pandemic now... I'm just saying to you, so it's, one day, it's just one day something happened. into people getting poisoned by scaling fish? Well, I'm just Is saying to you... Is that what you're telling me? Timothy, let me say it clear. Mm. This pandemic is a scapegoat. Mm. It is a scapegoat. And you come and tell me when did we have a pandemic? When did the pandemic translate to cleaning fish and making coals and welding welding and fixing the figures um, cars by the road? The same people that that government has done absolutely nothing for them to eat. 
they will turn around and tax them because they spend all their money and now they want to get it back. The same poor people, they want to come back and tax. Okay. Don't come and tell me about since when we had a pandemic. Since when did anybody get food poisoning from buying fish by the road? want to put licenses in place for each and every kibun cafe bude pa male we cafe bude pa male we cafe bude kibun gigawa he jewelry pa male we kibun cafe shebo kibun ki cafe shebo bourgeois ka pese cafe shebo come on man so people like nobot now are going to push back and say that it's misinformation or fear mongering or acting like the world will end but San Lucia, who feels it, knows it. If you're telling me that a government that has not given you any stimulus, not given you any relief, continues to keep you in a state of emergency while they go out and campaign, and at the exact same time is now trying to tax your hustle, to my mind, you have a right to be not only concerned but outraged. And where was the public education campaign for this? Where was the part where you had the ads or you had the workshops or you had the town hall meetings for you to explain how these things would happen? And then the implementation of this, that people cannot sleep, be sleeping on the same premises that they are doing nails or they are doing mechanics. How many neighborhood mechanics are there in Miku and Active Hill and Mornier and Denry? that now would actually have to find a location. You have to supply architectural drawings. I'm trying to figure out how you, if you're selling coals, how you establish architectural drawings. But that's okay, because that's how these guys... But here's the thing. It's not about facts, folks. It's about righteous indignation. And boy, does nobody have a lot of that. So, it's all about browbeating your dead. Man, this thing was there from... Listen for yourself. What does he get from it? But I do know, and I will reveal to you tonight, what the law says, and what the law has said since 1978. St. Lucia Criminal Code, and as amended in 2005. And who was in office in 2005 and had the opportunity to look through? The laws of St. Lucia, the St. Lucia Criminal Code. So, let's go to section 448 of the St. Lucia Criminal Code. That is page 222, right? 448, there you go. Bonfire or fireworks in a public space. Hold it right there. A person who, now this is from 1978, eh? And before, but a person who in any public place makes any bonfire or sets fire to or throws when lighted any fireworks in any city or town without lawful and necessary reason, the proof of which lies on the accused, that means you have to prove if you have the permission, discharges, throws or sets fire to any fireworks in any house, building, yard or place, or allows any such act to be done, 
So if you're the owner of the property and you allow people to do it, you're responsible, is liable on summary conviction to a fine of $1,000. Now, let's go to 449. We'll go up a little bit. Hold it right there. For the purposes of preventing loss, damage, and injury to property, any person who intends, listen well, any person who intends to set fire or to cause fire to be set to any tree, bush, brushwood, rubbish, guinea, or other grass, like this guinea grass or other grass, trash or cane piece. You see how far that goes back? Even to the days of cane. Shall first apply to the nearest, listen to it, justice of the peace for permission and shall prove to the satisfaction of such justice that he or she has given notice to all the neighbors possessing or in charge of property which might be damaged or destroyed by such fire if carelessly or improperly used. So it's just like you're going to have a party, folks. You go to your neighbor and say, Hey, Mr. Johnson, you downstairs, or neighbor, I'm going to have a party tonight, you know, so the music is going to be a little loud or something. The law requires you to do that. Two, section two, the justice of the peace upon proof that such a notice, as in number one, was given and the proper precautions have been taken to prevent any damage or destruction to the property of the neighbors, he shall grant permission in writing to the applicant to burn such tree, bush, brushwood, rubbish, guinea, or other grass, trash, or cane piece. So if you go to somebody and say, hey, I'm going to burn some bush there, and the person say, but I have asthma. <laughs> I have asthma. I can't deal with that. Folks, right now I have that problem. Up the road from me, there's a charcoal pit. And last week, I jumped out of bed. I thought, I thought the house was on fire. Smoke, my nose burning, my eyes, my throat, my lungs, I can't breathe. Broad daylight on the weekend. So when I look, I saw the smoke coming down because the wind blows it all over. If it's calm, it comes down, it settles, just like fog. So I went up there, I say, hey, I can't breathe. Another weekend, washing my clothes, put it out on the line when I'm done. Say, ah, clothes smelling nicer. Chemical. Fabric softness. Pulling my clothes off the line, taking off my clothes pegs. All the clothes smelling of smoke. You mean to tell me I don't have rights too? And the same thing again, fouling public water. Page four, page 236, section 484, Membaila. Pub, fouling public water. Huh? Doesn't the pouring of waste oil from oil change, doesn't it foul? Keep it up, let them see it there still. Doesn't it foul? Huh? B, causes any obstruction to the public use on any navigable water well spring. Contaminates or fouls water of any public well tank spring or reservoir. Isn't a spring public? And you do it in the country, isn't it going down in the river? Huh? Look at the fine, $5,000. Or two years in four years imprisonment, two years imprisonment. Animal treating, section 486, page 237. The same thing again with hides and all of that. Huh? You're not talking about somebody just slaughtering an animal and using the taking the the, the hide. These commercial operations that affects people. Now while I am very heartened to find out that Norbert washes his clothes with chemical. A lot of people didn't realize what just happened there. 
Now, if you are an opposition supporter or John Q. Public, you have been gish galloped. You've been given a deluge of information. And you're like, what? Wait, well, I'm. And if you are an opposition person or supporter, you'll be like, boy, no, but hit back. And if you are a government supporter, a hack of Shastney and the UWP right now, you'll be like, yeah, boy, no, but put them in their place. I wonder what Hunt goes say next day. I wonder what Richard Frederick goes say. But you miss the entire misdirection of it. What was posited is actually answering the question. The revised laws of 2006 and the laws from the 1970s, late 1970s, already established penalties for these things. So, when we tell you it's money you want to make and tax people's hustle, what proves it is exactly what Norbert put out. Because, whereas, look, nobody is saying that they, don't, that they have a problem with having standards. Nobody's saying that there aren't things like whether it's poultry or whether it's welding and so on, that you can't have standards. In the creative industries, together with UNICEF and OAS, we even did training workshops for people who do make jewelry, people who make soaps, people who do arts and crafts and so on. But to have the license fee is because the government is broke and money hungry. And how do you know that? Because nobody just showed you that all of these things had already been catered for in terms of penalties. So the man that was burning coals, even if it starts fires, there's already a legal mechanism for that. There's already for poultry farmers. There's already for ruminants and all of these other things for the slaughtering of animals. But why do y'all need to impose license fees right now? Because y'all told the IMF that you are going to expand your tax base. The same way that y'all are looking to put tax and tax people's little downstairs apartment that they put on their home. Y'all are just money hungry. The government is competing with the people of St. Lucia who put them there in order to get resources as if the people owe them money. As if the, as if the people are their clients or worse yet are their targets. And at the same time, the FFF still getting it good. But it's all about the government being money hungry. Not true, controller? Everybody busting their brains to get well, to make money. The kind of things that some would try to do, Lord, is and funny. I'm talking about the old profession, to modernism and deception. Many times the way people making bubble, and the law not even punishing them at all. Every time they make a scene, they run away quickly. First place they run to New York City. I say is I time they have to stop just put their backside in jail and lock it up yes man money is the root of all evil money is food for the devil money could make you act so stupidity never see concrete concrete they will kill for it some will kill for it sell hope to get it they will take off their clothes and bend over they want to rule with it, control with 
in Zweifel ist der Wildpick auf der Kluge an den Ufer zu gärtnern. The money hungry, the money hungry, the money hungry. I say they're hungry, they're hungry, they're hungry for money. Can you contaminate a river because oil gets into the water from your mechanic shop? Yes. Can you start a bushfire if you burn coals indiscriminately? Yes. Do photographers, however, need to be included in that? I don't see how it works out. Unless you're going to tell me that a Judah and them taking pictures of Shasni jumping carnival is hazardous to their health. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. Now... The worst part about it is, is the in your face. I come, I bring in the facts, and and in all of that, the misdirection, the misdirection of saying that that is why it is needed. You need a license. When the truth is, all you need is to enforce the laws for the areas. So, just like the fire chief rightly said, and now put a whole tabulation of the amount of complaints. Well, law is only as good as its enforcement, and it's about enforcing the laws that are already there. And the Bureau of Standards can develop all of these things. But I want folks, just imagine having to supply the blueprints for your establishment, and think of the amount of businesses that are home businesses. You have a hairdressing salon, and it's downstairs, upstairs, or inside your business, inside your home, and you now have to put that hairdressing salon or nail salon, you have to put that in another building and have a security guard while you cannot be sleeping on the same proper property and you tell him you're not trying to tax people's hustle and you're trying to make a big thing of as if everybody's telling you burn coals as if we want to just burn coals indiscriminately that's not what we're talking about what we're saying is the manifold of things that they want to tax there now is purely a way to go after people who are trying to hustle you're trying to tax the people's hustle and when people tell you it will affect poor people, it is not just a soppy argument. Although I do not know why Norbert seems to have this pension against, against poor people. I do not know. It's the same attitude as Shastney that poor people are mendicants or, or whatever. It's not about people crying for poor people. It's an economic argument as well. Because if you give the poor people, give the average daily paid worker at CCC $1,000, it cannot last him three weeks or her three weeks because they will pay their rent, they'll pay their bills, they'll buy groceries. People who are on the bottom rung of the echelons of society, the money is hand to mouth. And that's how you get it back in VAT receipts so that you get consumption just like Shasta himself was arguing for, yet he's working against. But still, no, but this is a number of times I've seen you do this. You seem to be enjoying the double standard that you can do while others can't. And you also seem to have some particular bent against Mali ways. People believe that the solution to the problems that we have in St. Lucia only rests with the government. <laughs> I don't believe anybody believes that. Hold on a second. Well, you must well, we, 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 we going back. We, no, no, no. You, when then you have to there allow are people me. people in St. Lucia. I must stop you. The, the, the classic problem in St. Lucia is what I describe, and I try to get people to, to see it from that perspective, is this Maliwe syndrome we have in St. Lucia. That everybody is so unfortunate that we have to accept the denier degree, the least common denominator for us to get by. Oh man, the man wants to make a bread, man. That's the mendicant mentality 
That's the fundamental difference of what we're doing. Pas de poor man. Everything. Bon Dieu, dans Maléwe, dans poor man. Mais si c'est pas job Maléwe, c'est lui si, mais si. Everything is a Maléwe excuse. Everything is a poor man excuse. Well, if that's the case, then we won't do anything in Saint Lucia. We won't have any standards. A man have to make a bread. That means he can go in the corner there by your building and dump something. Dump, make a dump. Have a dump. You know, I, I mean seriously. Because you are Malawi, that means you don't have to comply with the law. Because we have COVID, that means we don't have to comply with the law. Because we have a hurricane, means we don't have to comply with the law. Because we have COVID-19, because we have a flu, you don't have to comply with the law. But the laws are put in place for a specific reason, for law and order. Otherwise, what is said in legal circles, what is said when you go anywhere, if there are no laws, if there is no observance with the law, what are you going to have? Anarchy! So folks, the phone lines are open at 5727588 and we have re-established the WhatsApp line. So for those of you trying to call in, and I know many of you do not have credits um, in these times and can call via WhatsApp at 4847588. You are not invisible to us at UTV. We want to make sure all voices can be heard. Those of you locked in on Hits Radio 92.1 FM in the north and 91.1 FM in the south, back and better than ever. And of course, those of you locked in on Facebook, Facebook on UTV124 and also UTV124 on Instagram. All are welcome to call not only about what's happening now but any other subject that you want to talk about. But it is tragic and that's what that's why you see for me when I think of Norbert I do that is the epitome of the house slave. Because you know what he's not telling you. Maliways pay his salary. His salary is paid for by the tax receipts that the government collects. I want you to think about that, Norbert. Answer that. Good afternoon, caller. Hello. Hi, good afternoon. Yes, caller. Go right ahead. Hi, good afternoon. Yes, caller. I'm hearing you loud uh, and clear. Is there a license for the strip? Is there a license for the strip club as well? Well, I've been trying to think about it. At, at this point, you will be taxed for picking for peak fares. Eh? I can see it coming. I can see it coming. I can definitely see it coming. I can imagine a lap dance will probably increase. But another thing there, are there any people in the CCC that also have any ties to any strip clubs? While we're there, I might as well ask, because maybe they can, maybe any officials there can talk about any strip clubs in Marisol area and whether anybody, any rent is being paid for those strip clubs. Um, I, I wonder how they seem. Anyway, they can clear it up for themselves. But I want you to think, folks, the attache is a political position, and even if it was a public service position,
It is paid for with the taxes of the people of St. Lucia. And Maleways in St. Lucia pay tax because they pay that. Good afternoon, caller. Yes, Chris. Good, yes. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Um, my concern is the lack of public outrage um, as to how the Prime Minister has behaved over the last few days. The Prime Minister is the one under the state emergency who has, the, who has been given the power or is entrusted to him. And he of all persons is out there not social distancing, mm-hmm. not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, he's seen at, at a bar, which he is, is according to the emergency, supposed to be closed, yep. and drinks are flowing. And, imagine, and, and, and everybody in the public is, is, is quiet. And imagine there are people who cannot open their restaurants right now because of the state of emergency, while at the same time he's having lunch, having dinner, putting other people in danger by exposing all of them. Nobody knows who's asymptomatic. Nobody know who's, knows who may be contagious. This is the same government that brought all these people from ancillary and, made, and had them detained, including Fede's own um, constituency group secretary, for being at a beach party in ancillary and the same people who are talking about break people coming in illegally through boats and so on and having people arrested and closing bars and fining people and now that he wants to go for elections while he's squeezing the unions and everybody else with the state of emergency oh and by the way uh, my information is he may be dissolving um, parliament in order to go to the polls as soon he may have advised the governor general that he wants to go to the polls as um, dissolve parliament as soon as, soon as july 25th yeah, well, okay, um, but you know, I'm just saying, where is the outrage by the rest of society? What is the CMO saying? You understand? I mean, sh- hold, on, I hold, on, we- hold on, hold on. The CMO, the CMO, you know, I, like everybody else, have to fall in line and commend her for her work. But you know, there are a couple of questions that I have for the CMO, and one of them is in establishing the quarantine facility. Right? I, I did not agree with Rat Island. The doctors like Mill Clark and the SLMDA said that they should have the quarantine facility at OKEU, um, St. Jude's existing site, and a number of other places like Skyway Inn was suggested. But one of the areas for quarantine was Friendship Inn. And I want to know from the CMO what, what predicated that decision. Was it because the people that own Friendship Inn are related to her? Or was it because that was the logistically best place? And I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt to put quarantine. But I'm also worried that people who are starting off being objective in talking and dealing with the health crisis are now gradually ministry officials and others are gradually situating Shastney's influence with all of the crap they're talking about having a COVID app and working with pharmacies in the United States and stuff like that. Yeah, but uh, something else, Chris, I, 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 <coughs> I saw on Facebook. The general secretary of the party mm-hmm. was saying that one of the reasons why the um, curfew is still in, in place is because of the crime situation. <laughs> so, like, um, one of the reasons why they keep it in place is that they, um, it, it helps reduce crime. And as almost as somebody posted that, somebody posted back and said, "Look, somebody was shot in broad daylight in Beaufort." No, but so I think that's. I'll give you another thing too. I don't believe that this government has a problem with crime. They only care about violent crime. But what about all the crime that's going on in terms of corruption that they're not talking about that's actually been facilitated through this state of emergency? Well, that has been a problem we have faced, Chris, in terms of peace and nations. We look at crime as, as violent crime. So when you break in your house, it's a violent crime. When there's a murder, it's a violent crime. Mm-hmm. But the crime that is eating away at the very social fabric 
to society, the corruption, you understand? The maladministration and all of these things that go on, nobody says, says anything about it. But yeah. um, going back to the, to the um, issue of the, um, that, that, that act that they passed there, mm-hmm. Chris, I mean, sometimes, you know, there is a saying that those whom the gods seek to destroy, they first big mad. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's only persons who the gods have chosen to make mad that will, that will pass an act like that. Because, you know, it is the most ridiculous the piece way, of legislation. And in, in the way that they did it to her. Well, exactly. And try to stick it at two, 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, that's what they said. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is, this is madness. You <laughs> understand? I mean, this, this cannot be allowed to stand. And I hope the Labour Party takes a position that they will review it when they, come, um, when they get into office. Well, let's see what they say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank All you very right. much, right. Colum. The lines are still open, folks. Five seven two seven five eight eight. Regular calls for those of you trying to get through via WhatsApp. Four eight four seven five eight eight. And again, folks, as a reminder, we do still have an opportunity to make our voices heard. All solutions, whether you are UWP, Labour, or anything in between, let us go on this island-wide rally. That it's called the Shasne Must Go Rally. Good afternoon, caller. Hey, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. How are you? I, I'm cool every day. I'm cool and easy as the wind blows. Yeah, Let's as the wind it. blows. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, um, Chris. Mm-hmm. I I am a minibus operator. Eh? Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all. And uh, are you aware that uh, I think at least two minibus operators were disciplined as a result of them not um, observing the protocol with regard to the social distancing on the bus um, not exactly but I think it have to uh, it mostly have to do with not wearing the the mask okay right mm-hmm. I think you, you, you should check that, that I, I I'm aware that there are at least one there is one particular driver that was disciplined um so he will be off the road for about like two weeks or so so you have drivers in the minibus and uh, minibuses that have been disciplined for not wearing a mask but you have Norbert the Bofest man and the prime minister going around the country with Bradley and Herod and all of them and the now closest that, the mask but, but you see, on their Chris, that is what I'm coming to mm-hmm. now I am not saying that minibus operators should not um, observe the protocol that is in place. Mm-hmm. I'm by no means suggesting that. Okay? Mm-hmm. I wear my mask and, you know, and I believe likewise all minibus operators should observe the protocol that is in place. Mm-hmm. But how could you, how could, you could tell me, you will look to discipline a minibus operator and anybody else that is not observing protocol. And you have the people that are supposed to be leading by example. For example, the Prime Minister, all over the place, I, I cannot recall seeing the Prime Minister wearing a, a, a face mask, you know. He has had masks from time to time, but it's not been consistent. He's also not observing social distancing. He's also been well, shaking exactly. people. I, I, I see people. all over social media. He was in, in, in Denry and wherever. I saw he was in a eating place, you know, a bar, whatever it is. And I... I you know, I just don't understand it. How the people who are supposed to be leading by example are not, you know, doing what they're supposed to do so that the, the people, the nation can follow through. And you're telling me you want to discipline other people. I just don't understand it. I cannot get it. 
Nope. And you, you know? You shouldn't have to accept that either. Because in the same way, you cannot watch a young person and tell them about don't ride a motorcycle without, without a helmet. When the number one person who should be setting the example, the Prime Minister, was riding without a helmet. So right? I'm left to ask the question, who's guarding the guard? Well, well, caller, that is why we, that is why the revolution, the Shastney must go rally. This Sunday, you have to make sure that you are there. We, we are assembling from 9 o'clock, not even 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock before, 9 o'clock because more people want to join in. We've been overwhelmed, but the point is, people come in, we don't have to come in red, don't come in yellow, we come in in national colors and we are going to go around the country with and mobilize everybody so people can see the sentiment on all sides that we've had enough and enough is enough. Chris, rest assured. I will be there. Have a good afternoon. Yes, well said, well said. Thank you, caller. And folks, that's it, you know. Whether you are UWP supporter, Labour Party supporter, doesn't matter. Whether you have voted for Shastney or you voted for Kenny or anybody in between, doesn't matter. Whether you are young or not so young, it doesn't matter. If you have a vehicle, if you can arrange bus, transport or whatever, let us just do. It's a peaceful thing. Nobody can stop us from driving to different communities. This Sunday. This Sunday. Good afternoon. Hello. Caller, I'm hearing you, but um, you're not saying anything. I'm still there. Yes, caller, go ahead. Hello. Okay, well, I don't know what's going on with this one. <laughs> Caller, you're on the air. Okay, well, you can hang up and get another caller. And folks, this, as Cuthbert DDA said, is not about red versus yellow. And the UWP will try their best to make it about red versus yellow, come out with all the Kenny, 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 Kenny stuff. This time it'll be pure, 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 pure. Right? And then they'll do all of that. And the Labour Party, to an extent, will fall for it and make it a red versus yellow too. And they have no choice to an extent as well because at the end of the day, they are the official opposition. But this is a chance for us, John Q. Public, the average person and the not so average person because I personally believe all solutions are born with greatness in their blood. But we all come out and we go out and we just meet people. This is not about speeches or about any granting, just going out and meeting other solutions. Good afternoon, caller. Hello? Yes, caller, go ahead, Hello? I can hear you. Hello? Yes, go ahead, caller. Yes, caller, go ahead, I can hear you. You can hear me, okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, Christopher, thanks for your... Your the information for Sunday... I really approve of that rally, and I'm coming on Norbert William. <laughs> You'll probably be the first lady to do that, but explain what Norbert you mean. William. He's talking about. Turn on your TV so you don't, hear, you don't hear. He's talking about Maliwe syndrome. Maliwe syndrome, yes. Yes. Yes, he's talking about Maliwe Saijum, but I believe it's not about Maliwe Saijum. The Maliwe have the Richmond Saijum. That's what you have to talk about. <laughs> yeah, the Richmond Saijum, because um, people like him, you will come to him and you will tell him you need his help. And he will say, me, I'm a Maliwe. I cannot help. 
I hope when the other ministers will be in power, the prime ministers, with any other prime minister will be in power, that his show will continue. He's actually working for his belly and his bills to pay. Hmm. And the best part is the people who pay his bills okay. are the same he's not seeing the He's not seeing the effect that this government is under pressure that this government is putting on solutions. Who put this prime minister in, 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 in power? It was the same Maliwis. You understand? Maliwis have to be whining and doing all kinds of gimmick, gimmicks, Jimmy flicks, when election. You understand? You don't see the rich people just wind their backside and, and do all kinds of backshot. I'm, I'm whining. You understand? For them to put prime ministers in St. Lucia. Robert William is too ridiculous. You understand? Before anybody became rich in this country, they had a history of lighting coals, doing all kinds of things. And there will be coming a time. There will be coming a time that we will, whether we reach or poor, we will still have coals in our house to light fire. You understand? Because we are living in dangerous times. And what this prime minister is doing to us is actually bringing us back right down to slavery and causing confusion in all kinds of our mentality and standards in life. We have reached so far, and yet still he's bringing us right back to naught. Well said, Colin. Very well said. Very well Now, you, you see that, Robert William? I just hope it's the same way that Chastney, his father, had a show. And up to now, you're not seeing the show. I hope that show will continue, that Robert William. That light, you think he's giving solutions. Uh, when I look at it, it's more confusion he's putting in, in, in one another. So we solutions have to wake up, and we have to smell the coffee, and stop letting ministers that come in, we're putting them there, to take us for a big ride. Thank you, Carla. Thank you very much. Okay, I think we have just enough time to take one more caller. But Norbert, I would like you to, you know, because these days you like to go on the crosstalk. I don't have a problem. You can call me out. Just answer the people. Do Maliways not pay your salary? Isn't it the taxpayers' money of Sanusha that pays the attaché's salary? That's all. It's a yes or no. It doesn't need any fleshing out. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon, caller. I can hear you. Go ahead. Hello. <clears throat> yes, caller. Go ahead. Yeah, Chris. Mm -hmm. Hello, Chris. Yes. Hello. Yes, caller. I'm hearing you. Can you can hear me? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> yes, you can hear me? Okay. Um, Chris, first time I'm calling you on new television station. Mm-hmm. Boy, you looking young, boy. The COVID ain't kill you at all. You looking young. I know. I look. I look fat, and that's because yeah, I am. Yeah, but Chris, <laughs> let me just tell you quickly. Let me let me take you down memory lane. Mm -hmm. Listen carefully. Yeah, you can hear me. Yes, caller, I can hear you. All right. All right, Chris. In 1979, let me take you down memory lane. In 1979, when George Odlam said at Mindy Fully Park, he said that. Um, St. Lucia needs me more than I need St. Lucia. Everybody wanted to hang Odlam on the square naked by what God gave him. They wanted to hang him naked. And a lot of them that are quiet in the society now, they quieted, they came out against Odlam. And even UWP say, Louise should fire Odlam. Let's go down memory lane. Now you have the prime minister of a country looking at the citizens and call them jackasses, calling them mendicants. Let me take you down memory lane. 
when the word mendicant was used, when, when Sir John looked at the British government representative in the eye and said to them, we are made to feel like mendicants. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking him from our masters because St. Lucia wanted independence. He took a stand for St. Lucia. That was a positive statement by Sir John. I'm listening to you, Colin. Very well but said you're so telling far. Me now, you, you, you're telling me now, yeah, you're telling me now that you're calling the people of St. Lucia mendicants? I mean, come on, something is wrong. And where are the, everybody quiet? They're not condemning the prime minister. You call him an idol. Listen, I let the jackasses break. These are citizens of the country, respectful citizens. But all of them are quiet. The Chamber of Commerce is quiet. Mumu tablets. No. And that, but remember, I want you, and also let me take you down memory lane. Shut up and listen to your masters. The next day, within 48 hours, he had to go and, 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 and qualify, qualify. But now, but now it's a different kettle of fish. Let me tell you, Chris, what St. Lucians have to be prepared for. The time is coming if St. Lucians don't get up on their behind. Kick out that government. Our children and our grandchildren will eat grass in that country. Have a nice day. Thank you, caller. And that's a great way for us to close. Folks, there's a holiday tomorrow. Enjoy it as best you can. Stay safe. And then we come back to you on Friday. And the revolution gets on the ground with a round-the-island rally. One message. Nothing else. One message. Shastney must go. I leave you now with the theme song from one of the government's greatest mouthpieces, a misinformation maven himself, Jukwa. Everybody always has the song, but nobody ever sees who plays it, right? expressed on this TV program by the host, co-host, guest and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions and responsibility of the original source who expressed them.
They do not necessarily represent the opinions of UTV or its affiliates.